I went to a marvelous party. Don't even know the facts. The underlying ideas don't have enough depth to last for entire season. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the February 10th, 2013 live cast of The Dinner Party Show. Tonight, we will not be talking about that idiotic and salacious Grammy memo from CBS sent to popular musicians who we all know are the most inappropriately dressed people outside the world of child pornography. Not only do we not believe that a memo that talks about side and underbreast, thongs, see-throughs, puffy flesh, and exposed buttocks like it was written by a horny eighth grader will have any of its expressed effect, we think it will inspire Grammy guests to push the envelope of good taste in personal attire and grooming. More than that, we think this tawdry memo was actually CBS way of promoting the amount of skin that will be on display on their network tonight without actually having to do so. So, we're not talking about it, but we can't wait for the pictures. And speaking of salacious pictures, we will not be using the suicide of a well-known gay porn performer this week to conduct a misguided conversation about the supposed perils of sex work in America. We will not be legitimizing the tide of sanctimonious finger-wagging blog comments that greet the death of every gay porn actor we lose to either drug abuse or mental illness. Two ills which, by the way, routinely claim the lives of people from all walks of life and from all professions. We believe there are real perils to sex work in America, and almost all of them stem from the hypocritical majority's puritanical refusal to both legitimize and legalize it. So the next time you crack your knuckles to fire off some screed about the supposed moral hazards of a product you clearly consume a fair amount of, how about you stop downloading it all for free? Then you can inform your favorite websites and directors you're willing to pay top dollar so they can provide their performers with residuals, thereby allowing those poor lost souls you're always getting off to to afford some health care and a decent standard of living once their ass starts to sag and you've moved on to the next hot young model you lust after, envy, and apparently despise even in death. Also, on tonight's live cast, we will not be tricked into talking about the new alleged federal budget sequester again. We'd also like to encourage others not to drink this congressional Kool-Aid or buy into this same old legislative sleight of hand. Instead, we'd like to remind everyone that this is the same sequester that was supposed to wipe out the national economy at midnight on New Year's Eve, a.k.a. the last time the majority in Congress didn't want to do their jobs. 
we've noticed that the economy was not, in fact, wiped out since Congress just voted to delay the sequester till March since they invented it in the first place. To the lazy, self-serving jerks we've unfortunately kept in the majority in Congress again this term, we'd like to say, the dog didn't eat your homework, your aunt died last month, you don't have a temperature, and there are no retests or do-overs available for screwing up our country, so shut up and get back to work or get out of the way and let someone interested in actually governing this country do this important work and not waste precious time scoring political points off nonsense you just made up in the first place. That we'll talk about and even praise, but the sequester redux is the sort of bullshit up with which we will not put and about which we will not speak. Mm-hmm. We will also not be discussing outrage over paparazzi photos of the late Whitney Houston's daughter, Bobby Christina, allegedly smoking a joint in public on the one-year anniversary of her mother's death, especially considering that this moral outrage is coming from... Perez Hilton? Uh-huh. Okay. We get it, Perez. You lost a ton of weight and you're showing off your abs on gay social networking sites now. But still, there's a really long treadmill between you and holier than thou. Keep on jogging, pal. And we do not care and will not discuss where and with whom Lindsay Lohan is living, who Taylor Swift is or not is not dating or breaking up with, or what Snooky, Kim, Brandy, or any of the other reality housewives, bachelorettes, bimbos, himbos, or Donald Trump thinks about anything. As for everything else, it's still on the table for tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. Here to deliver tonight's provocation is ordained nun, published author, and renowned teacher in the tradition of Shut a Fuck Up, Buddhism, Inidia Barek. Let us sit deeply and calmly in the now, letting the breath of clarity wash our minds and fill us with the truth of the present moment, as it cleanses us of distractions and cravings. Let it open us to the absolute nowness of now where our sister is very far away in Phoenix and where we have the power of choice not to take her calls after 10 p.m. when she appears to be focused only on how she's making so much more money than us. Let us breathe in thoughts of love, compassion, and the present. And let us breathe out fantasies of tying our sister to a wheelchair and pushing her over a cliff even if that cliff is built on a foundation of forgiveness. Breathe, breathe, and return to the dinner party at hand. Return to Christopher and Eric and their special guests and turn away gently from the simple fact that your sister, while very successful as always, has so few close relationships, which means so few would miss her if she suddenly went missing. Breathe, sit presently, open your chest and your posture to the dinner party at hand, to its special hosts and its special servings, and know that in order to release the negative toxic emotions of clinging and hate, it is necessary to lean into them just a little bit, not to resist, but to envision very briefly a world in which your sister is imprisoned by the consequences of her words. 
but once it has been envisioned, release it and return to the party and the now. Namaste. Well, that was very soothing. Absolutely. I feel, I feel much more relaxed and a little homicidal. I feel a little... Uh, usually we wait a while before we go to the Facebook page and the comments that we have on there, but we're experiencing Merkin invasion. Merkin! I, I, okay, first of all, this will be a good way to tease our guest for tonight's show, Chad Hodge. And Chad Laura. started it. Chad Hodge, hot young TV writer who is here to talk about many exciting projects. And, and be hot. And be hot. Uh, Laura Beninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninaninanina
I have got to find out what that was like. Absolutely. We want to remind you all that we now have mobile apps available after a very long wait. Android and Apple devices can now be used to uh, access our live stream, which means you can listen to our live broadcast, but also you can listen to the constant replays that we have on that very stream. So you can listen to us all the time now. Absolutely. And if you subscribe to us on iTunes, it matters. It matters. It is the the rating system for the types of ventures that we are. And uh, it will enable us to continue to bring the show to you for free and for fun, as we like to say. And we also want to thank some fellow podcasters who gave us some love on the interwebs this week. They include Ben Harvey of Bender Lounge. He sent a very nice note saying he was listening to the show and thought we were doing some good work. Uh, The guys at the 76th podcast, or I, I should say 76th Street podcast, which is going to bring out my syllabus and S's. And Jasper Cole of On Set with Jasper Cole. He's at the newly launched Universal Broadcasting Network, which was founded by our pal Tony Sweet, who was a guest on the show a few oh. weeks ago. Well, thank you all. Thank you very much for listening in, and we appreciate the support. We're doing our best and trying to figure out how the hell to do this. Absolutely. But now here with a uh, report is Breck Artery, and I think this is this is a much anticipated Oh, this is the report. one. And Rice, this one's for you, babe. TDPS News takes you live to Breck Artery from the vestibule of a cathedral located near the Hollywood Freeway in greater Los Angeles, California. Breck? This is Breck Artery coming to you live from Our Lady of Perpetual Excuses Cathedral in downtown Los Angeles with unprecedented news. Breaking with long-standing tradition, the Catholic Church has actually sort of fired someone for doing a dangerously incompetent job. While this might seem like common sense, the Catholic Church has a long-held and much-venerated policy of operating with wanton disregard for their reckless endangerment of everything except their jealously guarded tax-exempt status. The Church, outspoken critics of just about everything, has shown a genuine reluctance to adhere in any way to the same ignorant, dogmatic, self-created, ludicrous, destructive, outdated, and completely unsubstantiated canonical laws they are willing to violate the rules of secular law and shred the U.S. Constitution to try and enforce on everyone else. After a a five-and-a-half-year battle to end the church's policy of obfuscation and outright lying about their supporting role in an ongoing criminal enterprise of child abuse, molestation, and endangerment, the courts finally grew a pair and forced the Los Angeles Diocese to release thousands of records covering 75 years of their complicity in a reign of terror and crimes against humanity. Publicly, the church has a clearly stated policy on lying, but as an organization, they don't seem to mind it all that much. According to these recently released records, children were raped with the full knowledge of the church, but the attackers weren't punished or even handed over to the authorities, though some were reprimanded for improperly administering the sacraments. Known child molesters were allowed to migrate into public education, while the church employed an army of lawyers to protect their knowledge of the crimes committed against children by those formerly and currently in church employ. All of this from an organization that has exploited their constitutional guarantee of freedom of religion to become a super PAC, funding legislation to deprive others of their civil and human rights in the hypocritical pursuit of the religious tenets they themselves clearly care nothing about. The 
Catholic Church has set spending records in their effort to prevent gay people from marrying and to violate the bodies of women by depriving them of their rights to make personal and medical decisions for themselves. As a matter of policy and their completely unconstitutional legislative agenda, they have egregiously redefined the very term religious persecution, adopting it as their standard operating procedure, even as they have participated in an ongoing organized crime spree. Even now, stripping only one cardinal of his authority hardly seems a proportional response to charges so vast and over-the-top they sound more like something out of a pulp gangster novel than standard church procedure. Yet this massive and morally overwhelming scandal is little more than a small facet of a systemic criminal catastrophe that stretches back for years and reaches into every country in the world. Such flagrant disregard for probity, propriety, justice, or even child welfare threatens the very foundation of this country settled and founded by religious dissenters who came to America to escape the pernicious jaundice of a religious state. The documents on which the country was founded guarantee the individual the right to believe what they want and prohibits the Catholics and all other organized religions from taking part in the establishment of laws to prevent any citizen from that right. Instead, due to the massive and at least dubious if not outright illegal injections of tax-exempt church dollars into the political process, that jaundice has settled on our constitutional right to freedom of religion. What was meant to protect us from persecution by religious organizations has been perverted into a warped interpretation that protects church organizations from us, placing them above the law and freeing them from its most basic tenets. This distortion of the Constitution, so often and reflexively expressed when we act as though one person's or one group's beliefs ought to have anything at all to do with such basic and personal individual rights as medical care or contraception, or our personal and sexual relationships, is in no small part to blame for the callous, dangerous, and destructive policies of this criminal Catholic organization. By allowing their authority to supersede the law and our sacred belief in the right of the individual, we have given them free reign to do whatever they see fit without regard for our individual rights or our children's. Generations of children have, as a result, paid an unspeakable price for this willful misinterpretation of the laws and the legal canon intended to protect us from the overreach of rich and unfettered religious organizations hiding their infamy in the rich skirts of the very abusive mother church we came to this country to escape in the first place. Perhaps by returning to the intent of the framers, we can thwart this ancient and malignant governmental form masquerading as the keepers of a sacred faith, their actions prove they at least disdain. And in so ending this toxic reign, perhaps we might not only free ourselves from the yoke of religious hypocrisy that is doing more to deprive us of our civil rights than any terrorist organizations, we might also serve as a beacon of hope to those children being eaten alive by these ecclesiastical succubi who find themselves in countries without benefit of the remnants of the rule of law to protect them. At least that's what I believe. We'll see how long they'll let me. Till next time, this is Breck Artery wishing you good night and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. While you go to New Orleans, 
wasn't a fade that just cut that song right off <laughs> that just ruined that whole effect oh well laissez, i thought laissez le bon absolutely since we were talking about the catholic church or i should say breck artery was talking about the catholic right. church another fine catholic tradition absolutely my most favorite catholic holiday is currently unfolding in the cities of new orleans louisiana and mobile well, alabama it's tuesday technically yes but the celebrations are already well underway if anybody if you know Mar- Mardi Gras at all. If you're a Mardi Gras expert, like I used to be at one point in my <laughs> life. What what are the qualifications for being a Mardi Gras expert? Well, as I put on Twitter earlier, I think it's waking up on top of a streetcar with a guy who used to work in your high school cafeteria. That's one of them. I think that would definitely qualify. Locking yourself out of your house more than twice a day. Wow. Absolutely. And uh, all does, sorts of good does stuff. Does it involve setting off the alarm as well or that just locking Year's. yourself that out? That was New Year's. I set off the alarm. Oh, I was actually asking for personal oh. stories of tragedy, Christopher. <laughs> it wasn't a tragedy. I was just so drunk I set off the alarm and went to bed with the alarm. <laughs> going. <laughs> and the police came and I was in bed. That was a different life. And the president is making his uh, State of the Union address on Mardi Gras. I so know, he's going to hum some plastic beads at Congress. The let the good times roll uh, presidential Absolutely. Uh, what is he called? I lost it. The presidential the State of the Union address. The State of the Union Mardi Gras edition. I got it confused with the inauguration speech there for a minute. Absolutely. So it's very confusing. I just wanted to throw that out there very briefly. I just wanted to put that out and there. it's Valentine's Day on Thursday. Oh, we don't have to talk about that. That's but in an case awful that holiday. doesn't work out, the world may actually end on Friday. Okay, that's not true. Well, that's not true. It might. No, the, the, you are you were all about this story earlier today because the, what is this? This asteroid is going to come near to Earth, but it's not actually going to hit Earth. It's going to be closer to Earth than the satellite that's bringing you this show. <laughs> is there a satellite bringing people? The to new the show? TDBS satellite. I have no idea how you're getting this <laughs> show, did, but probably a satellite is involved. Did you charge a satellite on the company card this week? Yeah, you might see a bigger charge than usual. I bought a satellite. <laughs> we bought a damn satellite. Yeah, but it's but it matches these drapes perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so the asteroid is thought to be 45 meters, which if you know which is how a many... 15-story building. I think it's a it weak fart. bigger than the apartment building in which either of us live, both of them combined. You live in a three-story apartment building. That's not a statistic. Listen, this is not a world-ending <laughs> asteroid. This is not something that, you know, is going to bring about a, a spiritual change in the in the world as we gaze heavenward and ponder our mortality. It's going to spirituality, but kabam. I know. I okay. guess that's a kind of spirituality. <laughs> It's a new religion, actually. Kabam. But to be fair, I think there's actually a bigger story in the news than the possible destruction <laughs> Wait of a minute. Earth. Wait a minute. Before you move on to the bigger story, I do want to say that this is about, the to give this asteroid a little bit of credit, there's something called the, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, the Tunjuska event, which is a Russian meteorite impact which happened in 1906 Maybe. or around the turn of the century. They think that might have been what happened. They think, well, what's the alternative theory? Well, it might also have been Nikola Tesla doing an experiment that, <laughs> caused, that caused electricity to arc all the way from Pennsylvania across the North Pole, the magnetic north, and back down into the blowing up. history channel rears its ugly head. Because there was not actually an impact. 
Like right, but that's it, because it they think it broke up, up, it blew in, the up air. in the air. Yes. They think that if it was a, a meteorite, it blew up in the air and flattened an entire forest. Eighty million trees knocked down over an area covering two thousand one hundred and fifty square miles. The question I have is, who counted all those trees? Oh, it's Russia, man. There, they get out there in the cold and they have resolve. They are Russian. Look at all these trees. <laughs> Mulehauser got out there with the Russians. One, two. <laughs> So I think we're going to be counting for a long time. <laughs> There's Huel Hauser. God rest his soul. We miss him terribly. We okay. miss you, Huel. So um, we've we've had jet fuel tea provided for us tonight by Shea Butters. Our tea is so strong, it feels like I have extra feet. And I had uh, milk chocolate and marzipan for lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a much bigger story in the news, which is uh, concerning Eric Charcoin because it gives him an excuse to bitch about Facebook. I think that it's really – is that really why you think <laughs> I I want to highlight this story? No, it just – it came to light after all of those – we did a show last week about um, our the spots that have run, the ads that have run here on our network. And we also live tweeted from the Super Bowl about all the ads there. And one of them was a really delightful uh, – What's his name? Guy Ritchie produced mm. video of you David Beckham. You forgot Guy Ritchie's I know, name. right? You automatically know the names of all hot British successful oh people. Oh, my God. He is so hot. Anyway, um, the also hot is David Beckham, who was running in his underwear. But it turns out he hired a body double mm-hmm. to do some of the uh, butt shots and other appropriate moments in the video, mm-hmm. which kind of begs the question, have we reached a point where David Beckham is time to move on? I brought this point up earlier in the season when his underwear came out and there was this big, giant, five-story tall billboard on Sunset Boulevard, and I posted it on my um, Facebook page and said, has this ship sailed? Is it time for David Beckham to move on to other things? I think he's an absolute knockout, but he was in a suit at the Olympics and he looked pretty good at it. Maybe it's time to sell suits or maybe it's time to start, I don't know, maybe a nonprofit to help children since he's a zillionaire and has a lot of influence in the world. The president of the United States was at one point head of the Harvard Law Review, which is great and really impressive, but I think it's more impressive that he's now the president. Mm. He could go back and probably beat out any of the other candidates and be the head of the Harvard Law Review, but it would kind of be unseemly. You're Maybe. asking if if celebrities, even beautiful celebrities, have the right to grow up and into a new role, essentially, is I what think you're so. Saying. Like, it's but, time for... I think David Beckham is amazing looking, and I don't think there's any problem. I don't mind seeing him in his underwear, but maybe it's time for him to move on to other things other than being an underwear model. I think he's qualified for more. Right. But that also speaks to the fact that, you know, is society only about underwear models right now? And if you can't continue to be one, do we just sort of cast you aside? Right. Have you yeah. moved into irrelevance if you can't do an underwear ad? Right. Absolutely. And I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think being old enough that it's time to maybe stop doing underwear commercials is... Perhaps not a bad thing. Right. Another point of view that I heard expressed by one of our, our guests, our regular guests here at the Dinner Party Show, Marsha Clark, said if David Beckham has to use a body double, there's no hope for the rest of us. I mean, that's a statement on body ideals or or expectations of how people look have become so extreme and extraordinary that, oh, my God, you know. I think both arguments are equally valid. But no, but I think there's plenty of hope for the rest of us, even if we don't look amazing or 22 in our underwear anymore. Like, how old was the body devil? Probably not 10 years older than David. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But I also think we should—I I, I don't know. I like fat people. 
<laughs> I do, I do. I always get. To, I, I was talking with some friends about it the other night. I always am attracted to guys who are uh, who are not well, conventionally skinny. You will be you know? pleased to know that the reason they used a body double was because he was heavier than David. And I like that. I think it makes you look healthy. I do. I think. I think we have a sort of emaciated body ideal at work in our culture, and I've always been attracted to sort of cherubic titian guys. Let's. I, how did I take it in this direction? Like Honey Boo Boo's mom. Mm-hmm. Who's lost apparently a hundred pounds no, by not doing really? anything? That's what she says. Nobody believes her, but right. yeah. she's That's lost she it says. by earning money. Okay. Uh, apparently, or she just put her purse down. Absolutely. Well, I'm amazed that we managed to cover both of those stories in that segment, but uh, you know, gives us more to talk about later. And now it's time for a word from one of our sponsors. Based on a novel you bought but didn't read comes this tragic, devastating, emotionally manipulative, and profoundly disturbing film starring an ensemble cast of incredibly well-trained actors who usually play scientists or villains in big studio action films. I'm a recovering alcoholic who gambled away all the money I saved for my daughter's kidney transplant while trying to win the money I need for a new car. I've been offered the exact amount of money I need to pay for my daughter's surgery and a new car, but to get it, I have to drive through a blinding snowstorm to kill my own father. Since I'm under so much stress, I'm gonna stop for a drink for the first time in 20 years. I'm a housewife. And I'm bored in my marriage. Because I'm a woman, and this is based on a novel, being bored in my marriage allows me to cheat on my husband and remain a sympathetic character. Unfortunately, there was one witness to my furtive assignation with the ex-convict who pumps gas on the other side of town. And now, I have to drive through a blinding snowstorm to kill that witness, even though He's my own father. You remember the book this movie was based on? Really, you do. It had cover art that could have been a small child running into an exploding sun or a giant red eye shedding a single black tear. Or better yet, think back to that Thanksgiving when your niece who goes to Vassar started bragging about how she'd read it on the flight there, and she began to describe the incredibly disturbing plot in such excruciating detail, three people got up from the table to leave with their napkins over their mouths. It's the blinding snow. Blinding Snow, an exploration of two irrational, self-obsessed characters felled by a cataclysmic car accident on an isolated road in the midst of making the most irredeemable and self-destructive decision of their lives. I, I can't, I can't feel my legs and the, the bl- blood in my mouth is making me flash back to all the terrible decisions that... Uh, that got me to this point. The New York Times raves. If you have to watch a movie that depicts little other than two people dying slowly in the twisted wreckage of their entwined vehicles, I'm glad it's these two people. 
The Los Angeles Times writes, The Blinding Snow is one of those rare films that illuminates the sacred space where literary storytelling meets torture porn. The snow looks beautiful as it lands on my shattered legs. And that's a good thing, because it's one of the five shots that gets repeated over and over again for two full hours. The blinding snow. Oh, and by the way, there was a baby in the back seat. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hi, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Oh, Cancer, why do you have to be so crabby? This week, change is in the air and in the stars. The new moon in Aquarius will not only have you longing for change, but it might bring out your rebellious spirit. Change can be a good thing, but so can looking before you leap. It's all well and good to want to escape from the same old, same old daily grind, but two things to keep in mind. One, it's a good idea to have a new job lined up before you tell that bullheaded old Taurus you work for what he can do with his opinion. And B, no, Virgo, the fact that you want to sleep with everyone else's boyfriend does not mean you are looking for a change. It just means you're still a big old whore and you can't blame that on the new moon. In fact, Virgo, change for you could mean being faithful and keeping your dirty little hands to yourself. In your case, that would be positively revolutionary. Meanwhile, the rest of us might find ways to improve the world around us as we channel the energy of change in a positive, yes we can kind of way. Avoid frustration by keeping your goals realistic and remembering that an ever smaller percentage of the population of a certain age and skin tone is so afraid of change that they keep trying to re-elect the 1950s. When you run into those who would rather keep a problem than try something new, remind yourself that two things are inevitable. First, bad old ideas are dying off with those too afraid to let them go. And second, it is not safe to leave your boyfriend alone with that slut, Virgo, cause some things never change. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars. Listening to the dinner party show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for the soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The dinner party show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. And we're here. Welcome back to the dinner party show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. We are joined by Chad Hodge, our special guest for Hello. the evening. Whose eyes are even more beautiful than they are in his picture. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is so nice. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> Flattery will get you everywhere. As yes. you have learned, we plied you with alcohol in the lobby, and we are having tea. So yeah, I know. That's honor- like the big secret here is you guys promote this whole, like, we're getting drunk. It's fun. It's debauchery. And you walk in here, and everyone's completely caffeinated and sober. Absolutely. And then they ply you with the alcohol. Absolutely. So I'm not responsible for anything that 
Nothing comes after right, this. Right, but we do actually have some responsibilities during this show. So <laughs> it probably helps that we don't get completely trashed. Yeah, exactly. We have to actually. I don't know. Keep it I on. think it would make for fun with the hotkeys. <laughs> oh, dear. That's, that's only going to last for 15 minutes. That's more such minutes. a long sound effect. I know. I pressed three at once, and oh. I think they're just going to keep playing the entire show. Um, if you, you screw up that computer, you have no one but yourself to blame. Can I just say this? I think we have a YouTube video of this, and then we'll get back to Chad real quickly. I think you saw some of this. The, our, our men in the kitchen, uh, Brandon and Brett, were taking apart a computer about five minutes before we went on the air, and I walked in there and thought it was our show computer, and I almost lost my mind. But it was um, one of our many spare computers. I brought cake, and they're experiencing <laughs> a sugar high and began dissembling the control room. I'm just trying to steal parts to sell them. Exactly. Because <laughs> right. it's so valuable, all the parts here at the dinner party show. They're copper thieves. So, Chad, you have a lot of exciting projects to talk about. We've been calling you one of TV's hottest young writers. Wow, that's so nice. Thank you. Exactly. A lot of people will know... It, um, being hot does nothing to, you know, help your writing career, FYI. <laughs> at all. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, not but at there all. aren't any ugly writers. Yeah. None. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. We always see them presenting Academy Awards, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, course, Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. A lot of people know the Playboy Club, which you created, which was um, a show that many of us feel was taken off the air far too quickly and not given a chance because it had so many exciting oh. things going on for it. And Thank later, uh, Laura Benanti. Yes. Who I've been you just pronounced it correctly. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> it's spelling it that's been the challenge. Pronouncing it's been going <laughs> fine right along. Uh-huh. That was the shame of my week. Laura Benanti. But I even sent you like an audio file of how to pronounce her name. <laughs> I did. Do you remember that? And we did pronounce it correctly. We recorded some promos and we listened to your yes. audio file. Yes. But it was Thank spelling you. it. I just really wanted there to be an extra Hodge, syllable. we totally screwed Hodge up. Hodge is easy. But, but you but know, most people say Hodges. Them. They just oh, really? think they assume there's an S. Yeah. And there's never an S. I wanted to say Hodgski. You can call me that. <laughs> Hotchkey. I like that. Absolutely. Hodges. One of TV's hottest young writers. But you're working on two very <laughs> exciting projects, that, that one of which I'm completely obsessed with, and the other of which Eric is completely obsessed Can't with. Can't wait oh. to find out so more let's, about. Since I've been running at the mouth, let's talk about the one Eric is really crazy about right. first. Right. Absolutely. Yes. You have met and interviewed and worked with... Anita Bryant. I have. Which is like saying that you met right. Kaiser Soze. She is <laughs> responsible yes. for AIDS made us a community, but Anita Bryant made us a movement. Yes. Has she, she did. moved? Is she a new person? Like she is the most terrifying person I can think of. Yes. Uh Yes. I, I would say the two questions I get most often when I asked about this are that question. Has she moved? Has she changed? Right. And does she know you're gay? <laughs> does she? And the answer to the first question Are you? is... <laughs> the answer to the first question is no. The answer to the second question is yes. Um, she hasn't moved. Not really. She still thinks that gay people shouldn't be allowed to teach school or live in whatever apartment building they want to. You know, um... Wow. Basically. And, you know, wow. it really it really goes to a, a religious thing for her. And, uh, you know, there's it's a whole long story. What has but, you that know. been like for you? It was it's 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 been really interesting, I have to say, because um, you know when I sold the idea of 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 writing a biopic about Anita Bryant, right. the first person I told was Anita Bryant. I ah. you know because I was like, so I sent her an email, uh, you know, found her website, sent her an email, and it took um, 
about six months. I mean, she's obviously the first person that I wanted to interview. I want to talk to you. I want to hear your story. Right. Hear everything else you can find on the internet. Sure. Right. You know, you can read in the gay but history really, books. But really, she's the but, you story. Know, right, exactly. So um, it took about six months, but she finally agreed to meet with me. And I was completely transparent and honest about who I was and right. what I was doing and um, and what my intentions were, which, which, which I said to her was, I don't really have an agenda. Because, of course... Since 1977, after all that happened, you know, I think yeah. she's she assumes that if a gay if anyone gay approaches her to do anything about her, it's in a uh, con, you know confronting and, right. and to put another pie in her yeah, face. Exactly, right, put, right. to put another pie in her face. And um, and I said, you know, I'm not. I don't really have an agenda except to tell the truth of what happened, right. which is true. Um, which and that's the truth. It's like Much you know, I just want the story, story to be. Here's the true story. I don't really have to like add anything to it or make her seem worse than she was. Right. History or, will that, take care you know, of that. Exactly. It's like we all know all the all the stuff she did. So that's all right. there. It happened. Um, and then I wanted to know sort of the other side of it to make an, an interesting movie. And um, we had a few co- phone conversations and then she invited me to uh, her house in Oklahoma. And I went there and I spent wow. three days with Anita Bryant. And, and so is the movie the three days you spent with Anita Bryant, or is it is it more the so sort like of— like My Week with Marilyn? Right. <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. Um, uh, actually, it, that was not part of the movie before I went there. And then when I came back, and I was reading all the transcripts, because obviously I you know recorded everything. Right. There's some videotape stuff, and there's you know everything else was audio recorded. And I was reading the transcripts of the whole three-day weekend, and I thought, this is the most interesting part of all right. of this. Right. Absolutely. The fact that— um, I was, and, and sort of I tried to, you know, make sure I wasn't biased on that. Like, wow, this is the most interesting part, me meeting her. You know, but it was, but <laughs> yeah, it was so my story. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Chad's story. Well, this yes. is so great, me in this movie. Yeah. No, but um, <laughs> but I was reading through the transcripts, and it really was. And it really, right. because like you said, what does she think now? Absolutely. Has she changed? That's why I was dying And there to are ask some you. changes, and there are, you know, some things she has changed on, some things she hasn't changed on, but what she thinks now versus, you know, 32 right. years ago is, is, is so interesting to people. And so uh, I, ha- I added that as a framing device to the movie. So it basically starts with, it's sort of like adaptation. It sort of starts with a, um, hmm. a writer mm-hmm. named Chad Hodge who's going to interview her, and it's the first gay person she's agreed to talk to in 30. 30- 32 years and knowingly and knowingly <laughs> right right and I'm going to meet Anita Bryant and I'm probably more scared than she is I would mm-hmm. bet absolutely you know absolutely especially because she's got like you know a new husband who is very protective of her and right you know, and, absolutely and his name is Charlie and he's six feet six foot five and, and wow and yeah fascinating mm-hmm. okay cool we're gonna take a short break for a word from one of our sponsors and, and then, then I want to know back. more and we'll be also be talking about the project Chad is doing <laughs> maybe that I am obsessed maybe with. maybe are you tired of getting songs stuck in your head that you actually know Do you enjoy it when a friend keeps asking you to identify a song from just the three or four notes they can remember and they keep singing those notes to you over and over and over again? Well, the folks at Combata Fun Party Games have come up with a brand new board game that should fill your empty evenings with delight. It's Name That Tune You Can't Quite Remember. Okay, so it's like do, do. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm supposed to be guessing from yeah, yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Do, do, that's, do. That's all you know of the song? Uh, do. I don't know. Moon River? No, 
listen. I am listening. Oh, gee. Okay, these are actually different notes from the ones you were singing. Listen, dude. Oh, Oh, well, this is just fucking ridiculous. Who said we should play this? Whoops. I'm sorry. That emotional outburst just cost you 300 points. See, the point of name that tune you can't quite remember isn't to actually guess the name of the song. It's to get through the five hours the game takes to complete without using profanity or attempting to physically harm any of your fellow players. Drawing on the simple fact that the average person has about 300 songs they can't quite remember floating through their head at any given moment, name that tune you can't quite remember is the hottest new endurance game out there. Well, that's just outrageous. Whoops. There goes another 300 points. Your score is now negative 1,200. Better watch out or you'll be forced to play our molasses round where your most intoxicated teammate tries to remember all of the words to their top three favorite songs from elementary school. Elementary school? Name that tune you can't quite remember. Coming this Christmas from that cousin who never knows quite what to buy you. We're live. We're live. We're back at the dinner party show. Um, And Chad was just telling me while we were talking during the break and you were listening to that very fascinating thing that a lot of Anita Bryant stuff from her day was scripted for her because she was part of a political campaign. Correct. Right. And 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 that's absolutely true. But like I said, I mean, and like you just said, it is a political campaign. Like like anything is scripted in a political campaign. So that's not such a surprise. But. yeah, it was a little bit more manipulated than you would think. Um, she's not blameless whatsoever. Yes, she believed, you know, a lot of what she was saying. Right. That's um, how she got involved in yes, the campaign to yeah. begin with. Exactly. But she was being a spokesperson. Correct. Right. So yeah. to the, to that degree, there, she, there was some other culpability. But right. So it's not such a surprise to believe, to, you know, to realize that she was given things to say because every politician is. But. It's, and was she to a friendly ex- to you? Like, how was yes. she in the moment with you? Yes, and that was the biggest surprise. I have to say, the first moment I laid eyes on her, and I'd been doing, you know, research on her for six months, and, you know, of course I've known who she is for my entire life, but um, I'd spent six months with her in books and articles and right. photos and everything. And so when I first laid eyes on her, I was, like, totally starstruck. I was right. like, like, I had just this moment that I didn't expect I would have of just, like, <gasps> Like, right. there she is. And then I was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. How does like, she look? Like, pull yourself together, I mean, She's Chad. a beauty queen, right? I mean, she she did, yeah, still, she looks great. She's still looking great. She looks really good for her. She looks great. Yeah. Um, and uh, and she was. She was nice. She was very sweet. And we had a very honest conversations. And it, it was it was a three-day three day progression. Of, and you uh, stayed inter- at the house? I did not stay at the oh, house. Okay. I okay. stayed at a hotel. Thank God. That would I stayed be at a hotel. Dude, but there was a funny scary. moment when I land, when the plane landed. You know, and I, I rented a car. Mm-hmm. And I was going to stay at this hotel and all that stuff. And I had my whole plan. I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I was totally prepared. Right. So when I get off the plane, I, there was a voicemail from her husband, a guy named Charlie Dry. He's actually very nice, too. Um, but I didn't totally know that yet. And so there was a voicemail from him on my phone when I turned it on after the plane landed. And he said, you know what? Uh, you're not, you, don't rent a car. We're just going to drive you around and we'll pick you up and take you to our house and take you back to the oh hotel. Oh, my. And I was like, 
I don't think that's a good a idea. Scary. Right? And right. then I was like, no, it's okay. And so then I met him and he was there to pick me up at the airport. Right. And I said, you know, I think I'll I think I'll just rent a car. It's fine. You know, I have it. It's already reserved. No big deal. I don't want to put you guys out. Like I'll And he's like, "No." And he walks right up to the rental car counter and says, "You know, he's not going to take this car." So, I was a little wow, scared. Like right. they're kidnapping me. Right? <laughs> like this is happening. I I texted a few people like if you never hear from me, you know. Yeah. Right. But like, um, this, is where where airport. Airport. this is the airport. Yeah, like yeah. this is it. This is when it's going to oh, happen. God. Like oh, this. God. God. Yeah, like the worst fears come true. But um of course, here I am talking to you. I was yes. not kidnapped. They were very nice. Um and uh and and southern and great and um, I think that's one was, thing you can count on southern people for is that they may not agree with you but they will not be rude to you absolutely that's right. yeah and speaking of the south we now have a report from our relationship expert Joan L. Sams but when we come back we're going to talk to you some more and we will finally talk about the project you're working on that <gasps> I'm crazy oh, about right. which is Wayward <laughs> Pines but right now we're going to go live to Joan L. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Hi, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Well, it's the big week in the world of relationship advice. Valentine's Day is this week, and all I can say is... Brace yourself. If you are in a relationship, you're under pressure to get it right. And if, worst luck of all, you are not in a relationship, you only have about 48 hours to get in one before it's too late. Oh, lands my blood pressure. My mail these past couple of weeks has looked more like a lonely hearts column than relationship advice. If it's any consolation to those of you in desperate circumstances, the people who are in relationships are likely to suffer more than you do on this one day anyway. I could not in good conscience pick a single letter to answer on this week's show, though to Itchy in Indianapolis, I'd just say, get some calamine lotion and get out of the bushes. And to who's right in Washington State, just hit him back for goodness sake. That's why the good Lord gave you a frying pan. For the rest of you who don't know what to do for your special someone on Valentine's Day, or worse yet, for those of you who don't have a special someone for Valentine's Day, I will offer you the advice I learned from Merle, my wonderful husband of 22 years. Nothing. That's the advice. That's what Merle does on Valentine's Day, and he could not be happier. Before I met Merle that fateful day in the canning section at the hardware store, I blush to tell you how many Valentines I spent alone so I'm not gonna. What I will tell you is when I started keeping company with Merle all those years ago, I thought, well, at last, I will finally have a special romantic Valentine's Day. As the day approached, I spent time picking out a special gift for Merle and picking out a special dress to wear and getting my perm just right. Then the day arrived and nothing. I waited. I called. I'm ashamed to tell you, I passed by the plate glass window in front of Merle's barbershop so often, it's a wonder I didn't get arrested for picketing. Nothing. He even saw me and waved a little bit. Well, finally, I couldn't stand it anymore. I marched myself into Merle's shop and asked him if he knew what day it was. Merle looked at me and smiled real big. Then he looked around the shop, turning his head this way and that way. I couldn't help but follow his gaze. 
I found myself looking into the shocked faces of quite a large crowd of men surprised to see a woman in the barbershop and scrambling to hide their magazine covers behind bits of the newspaper and such like. Well, Merle, I demanded when he didn't answer me. Merle Sams, do you or do you not know what day it is? I tell you, Jonelle, he said, winking at me, it's a good day to own a barbershop. It's a damn shame I don't sell cards, but I do own a barbershop, so I'm going to get on with that. I'll talk to you later on. Well, I was stunned. My big romance was over. Here I thought I'd finally be one of those girls who got roses and chocolates and French food on Valentine's Day. No, sir. I had almost made it to the big red velvet finish line, but looked like Merle had chosen Valentine's Day to break it off with me. I don't mind telling you, I cried myself to sleep that night. And then, next day, being Saturday, Merle came by just like always that evening to take me down to the Briar Patch Cafeteria at Poison Creek Mall for our regular Saturday dinner and bowling date. Why, I hadn't even dressed, let alone packed my bowling bag. I thought, sure, it was over. Merle could not have been less worried. He waited on me to get ready just like nothing had happened. Well, that went on for the 13 years we dated, and I have to say, I got used to it. I will tell you the truth, I was disappointed. Merle never did anything for me or with me on Valentine's Day. Truth be told, he usually gets up to something with his best friend, Olsen Lee Pugh, but my Merle has never missed a Saturday at my side at Fairlane's Bowling Alley when he's in town, and it took him long enough, but he popped the question, and he met me at the front of that church just like he said he would, and he's been here for 22 blissful years so far, and that is better than any one day of romantic. Face it, the roses are DOA, and the chocolates aren't really going to do you any good either. I don't even like French food. Single or not, if you're not expecting anything on Valentine's Day, it's tough to be disappointed. So, my advice on how to have the best Valentine's Day possible is to go get your hair cut. It won't do you any harm, and it'll make the barber's wife really happy. Till next time, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Remember, St. Valentine's was beheaded on February 14th, so maybe your Valentine's Day isn't going so bad after all. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. And now... Back again like a bad flu is the Dinner Party Show's very own critic at large, Jordan Ampersand. Here tonight to... What? What is this? Why are you passing me this? I can't read your handwriting, Jordan. Oh, for Christ's sake. Most of these are pictograms. What is this? It says I'm taking a vow of silence. Shit, that's over. This ought to be good. Why? Are you taking a vow of silence? Because I don't like what's happening to birds. I refuse to ask for clarification on this. No, seriously. This guy on my street, he cut down this big tree and it got me thinking, where do all the birds go when a tree gets cut down? Hmm. And then I saw all these pigeons outside of 24-hour fitness and they all looked really sad. So I thought maybe it was time to do something for the birds. How did you get that bruise on your arm? There's no bruise. Be quiet. No, seriously, there's a bruise right here on your shoulder. I self-tan. Be quiet. This is actually my radio show. I want to talk about birds. Jordan, 
We do this every week. Your job is critic at large. It's not that hard. All you have to do is go out somewhere in L.A., do something fun that isn't a felony or a misdemeanor, Mm. and then report back to us about it. That's it. No vague, misguided, half-assed, environmental activism is required. I really care about the birds, and you're not being fair. Oh, my God. I bet if they were humans, you and the world would care. If trees full of babies suddenly had nowhere to hang out and were all outside the gym looking sad, people would do something about it. Didn't we actually give you an assignment this time? I thought we told you to go to the museum. Yeah, well, I googled the museum, and it's in New York. (laughs) You did a Google search for the museum? No, genius. I asked my most artistic friend about the museum. His name is Black Lawrence Merriweather, and yes, he's actually black, and yes, he's the one who came up with that nickname, so it's not racist, and shut up. Anyway, Black Lawrence Merriweather has a really fabulous shop in West Hollywood where he makes special scarves with scenes from the Karate Kid on them. Actually, I think some of them have scenes from Jaws 3D, too. Anyway, Mm. Black Lawrence knows all about art, so when I asked him about the museum, he said there was only really one, and it was in New York, and it was called MoMA, and it had really cool shit. MoMA? What? Tell your friend Black Lawrence it's pronounced MoMA. It's not actually the only museum in the world. There are many others, including LACMA, which is here in L.A., and which is where we told you to go this weekend. Remember now? We also told you it's right next to the La Brea Tar Pits. Mm. Are you remembering any of this, Jordan? Like how you didn't remember the tar pits at all until we told you that's where they filmed the movie Volcano? Oh, my God. I love that movie. There's lava everywhere and everyone's running. It could totally happen. Which brings us to what actually happened this weekend, which I suspect had something to do with that bruise I on your... I just need to say, I feel like you're crossing a boundary right now, and I don't feel very How safe. did you get that bruise? Okay, Fine. I was on my way to Volcano Lakma or wherever, and I decided to stop off somewhere else first because it was Friday, and I thought the museum was going to be a lot of work. So I thought it would be better if I was relaxed. So where did you stop off first? A place that sells stuff. Jordan, I'm actually not the one who thinks you're cute. So how about we speed this along? I stopped at a bar. That's all. And that's how you got the bruise. No, I got a Dewey. As in the Dewey Decimal System? That usually is something one finds at the library. Why are you always talking about dumb things that nobody knows? Dumb is a word you should use with the utmost discretion, young man. They're just letters, all right? I don't know what they stand for, but the police were really mad. Oh, my God. You got a DUI. It's totally unfair. I didn't run down a person or a light post or a dog or anything, and all I had were shots. Shots of what? Goldschlager and Jägermeister, but whatever. They're shots. They're tiny. They shouldn't count. They do count, Jordan. They count very much. Well, I know that now, but I still don't think it's very fair, and I plan on enacting some sort of legislation. Stop. Stop right there. Just Stop, okay? Now, were you actually in a car accident? Is that how you got the bruise? No, the cop got really mad at me, and he handcuffed me and put me in the back of the car really hard, like I had done something wrong. You did do something wrong, Jordan. You were driving drunk. I know, but I totally made him, like, a great oh, offer. no. I thought it would be like I'd seen in the movies, Porn you know? movies? Yeah, but he got really mad. I even told him the girl cop could watch oh, what if a that treat. was what they were into, but they were not. I mean, they were, they were mm. so mad. They were not into it at all, and it was not like the movies. No, you're mad too. Jordan, you're affiliated with 
our show. We even use you in some of our promotions. I don't know why, but we do. But it is your responsibility to let us know when you've been arrested for drunk driving before you go on the air. Oh, my God. It's not like I tell you guys everything about my personal life. Okay, you know what? Stop. Just stop. You know, stop. Like I didn't tell you about the time I broke my neighbor's arm because I blew up the kitchen trying to make my own amyl nitrate. And okay. I didn't tell you about the community service my best friend Fitzpatrick and I had to do after the city of West Hollywood found out about our stray cat electric light parade dance-off oh. sponsored by Lassie. Season's Gucci underwear I couldn't get rid of. Oh my, get out. Just get out. I can't take it this week. I can't just go. What about the birds whose plie you are clearly plight, ignoring? Jordan, it's their plight you're referring to. And honestly, the best thing for the birds right now, and everyone else for that matter, is for you to stay off the road, young man. How young do you think I am? Get out! I can't believe I broke my vow of silence for this. Consider this permission to take another one immediately. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. (sighs) That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Yeah, exactly. She made it! She Hooray! made it to the studio! Laura Benanananananananati! Whose name I misspelled. I want to say we, but it wasn't really you. Oh, yeah, don't me. drag me into this. I she was like, that's adorable. They're giving me a nickname. Benanananati. Actually, look in front of you. You will see that your place card has the uh, the dinner party show spelling of your last name That's on it. amazing. Ben and Anati. And now mm-hmm. we'd like to present you with the correct spelling Aww. of your name, which nobody can see, but I think we're filming this for YouTube, so. So, yeah. So, there so, we go. Like, she's gosh. receiving an award. Uh, Chad yeah. Hodge is still in the studio with us, and Laura Benanti has just joined us, direct Ew. from LAX. You just flew in from the East Coast. And boy, are her arms tired. Oh, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you have to, somebody had to say it. Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. did. I'm glad it wasn't me. Yeah, and now we're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just flew in from New York, and there was a blizzard, and it was so dramatic. And the woman sitting on the plane next Nemo. to me ate tuna tuna fish the entire flight. Oh. I'm not kidding. Just when I thought, like, okay, she's done, oh my she God. would dip back in and eat more. Speaking of finding Nemo. It was like... Oh, <laughs> Everyone stopped listening. (laughs) That's worse than mine. Um, Was she she pulling sandwiches out of her purse? Like, where was she she coming up with? She had, like, tuna salad that she had made and crackers, so she would do, like, a cracker at a time. So, like, every 20 minutes, she would do a tuna cracker. Like Lunchables? Yeah, like Lunchables. And the guy sitting next to me, (laughs) he and I were dying. We were laughing so hard. When you were in Virgin America, were you texting each other? 
to your seats. You know how you can do that on the what? screens? Oh, that's yeah, so you weird. were on Virgin America? Where everyone is trying to have sex with everyone. <laughs> that's like yeah. that's how they should that's market it. That's their new it. slogan. It yeah. should be where everyone is having sex with everyone. Absolutely. I mean, if Virgin you see America. someone you're attracted to four just, rows behind, you can text, text them yeah. from your seat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had an experience. I flew them to Boston, and I think somebody had a heart attack in mid-flight. Or like a, a mild, we're not going to land for you, you heart attack. And we were um, <laughs> we landed on the runway at Logan Airport, and they opened the door, and they said, everybody needs to stay seated while we bring the uh, medics on oh to God. get this guy off. So we're all sitting there and they open the door and the medics come on and they literally go, ooh, mood lighting. Oh my God. <laughs> and they stop and it's like, guys, wow. heart attack in the right. back of the plane. Emergency, but that's right? how Remember? arresting the interior design of those airplanes are. It's real, real dark. I mean, it's nice for the skin. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Sure, everyone's features look real soft. So the, right. the self-tanner was wasted? No, I mean it was extra. It got yeah. it's her, extra her boost. Dear friend Chad, that was those were like his first words. Yeah, was, yeah. she sat down. I'm like self tanner. Yeah, self tanner and mood lighting. You looked amazing on Virgin America. I so, looked twenty. Not that you don't look amazing old. every day. Well, what were I you mean, doing on the East Coast aside from being a Tony Award winning actress, which oh. I forgot to mention when you walked in? No, it's fine. Yeah, sing something. <laughs> sing Dance out, for Grandma. Sing out, Louise. <laughs> I actually have my gypsy T-shirt underneath this. The, I'm a pretty girl. Mom. Because it's the only thing I had that was clean. We also have the soundtrack of uh, for what? sale in our store. Yes, absolutely. Because we know you get a royalty check for six thousand yeah. dollars for every CD that's sold. So yep. buy as many. They as actually possible. take six thousand dollars from my bank account. Every <laughs> <laughs> time yeah. Production costs. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So were you just? Was it a professional visit, or were you visiting family? Um, I mean, or that's Blizzard where I live. Watch? So yeah. I just, you know, I'm here shooting. Go on. Yes. Tuesday on nights NBC. at nine on NBC. Such a riot. Which is such a riot. Thanks, guys. And it's a big hit, Ooh. right? Well, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then what, what happened? It was, and then and now we're not on after the Voice anymore. Oh. So oh, I guess we learned. If you're not on after the Voice on NBC, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're not yeah. on after the voice, then there's nothing that works. Are, we, are you allowed to swear on this? Yes. Okay. Mm. Oh, yeah. So you're aft. Yeah. Not a real swear. Not a real swear. <laughs> a suggestion of a swear. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That's we, so I guess what we realized was <laughs> is that people were just like keeping their TVs on after the voice was done like, while they brushed their teeth. <laughs> right. And, right. The and, Jeopardy effect. Yeah. They were like, I'm just going to put my PJs on and, and just peripherally watch Chandler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we didn't have the voice anymore. And they were like, good night. But it's such a good show. People should watch it. It is a great show, and Laura's really great. But <laughs> 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 well, you can't see cookies. it home as I'm binge eating cookies. Absolutely. So you two are great friends. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, did you meet on the Playboy Club? Mm-hmm. Or do, we oh, did. Before? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah okay. we met on the Playboy Club. We met uh, when I ca- well, for, I saw her audition and then called her. And I thought she was pretty great. And I called her to give her a few notes, though, mm-hmm. on, you know. Uh, self I think you, I think you I think you need to put on some self-tanner oh. and take off that merkin. Wait, tell them about the merkin. Did okay. you already tell them? No, no, no. Here's what okay. happened with the merkin. I didn't know what a merkin was, and I saw yeah. Chad's oh, post about God. it earlier yeah. today. So I put on our Facebook page, <gasps> merkins, merkins, merkins. No, didn't. Yeah. Our Facebook page is awash in people posting photographs of merkins. He left a picture of one <laughs> on merkins. my chair for me when I got here, like real merkins. It's and, our new game. And I had to go in the other room and lie down. It's going to replace. Place monster yeah. is our scary game. So, yeah, it so it started. It started when um, I saw Laura's 
audition tape, mm-hmm. and she, li- she she lived in New York. <laughs> that and- was a pregnant pause. It's all yeah. Laura's watch. That's oh how God. she auditioned What's he you guys. Say? Yeah. Here, look at this. We. I'm it. doing a pull no, my skirt over my head She's motion. Like, absolutely. Uh, I saw Laura's audition tape for the Playboy Club for the role of Carolyn, and mm-hmm. um, the mother it was, bunny was that the yes, name? Yes, mother correct. Bunny. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she was so phenomenal. And um, this wasn't her fault, but in because in the script I had written that uh, she's she was a blonde, you know, she had blonde hair, the character. So Laura in her audition um, video had a blonde wig on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Good girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, of course. Yeah. She do it. It was so studious, reads the script, knows mm-hmm. exactly what to do. Okay, this is what they want. I'm going right. to do this, you know. And, um, and then, but I was like, hmm. I don't love that. It doesn't look really you good on like you. You look like Miss Piggy. You look like a little like Miss Piggy. <laughs> and so when we were talking, I was that. like, that's, re- no, that's a good I, I first meeting. But he oh, thought okay. that. Well, which was basically my only note because when I saw the audition video, I was like, and she's going to get the part. I mean, amazing and perfect and everything I imagined when I wrote it. Right. And, except for this blonde this wig, which I down. said, take off that Merkin. Take off that Merkin. <laughs> I said, take off that Merkin and redo the video. And then immediately she laughed and we were... Mm-hmm. Best friends. Because she knew what a market was. She knew what that Instantly was. Instantly obsessed with it. Yeah, and so then when we were shooting the pilot and she was in her trailer and they were actually fitting... No, she actually did wear a Merkin on the show because mm-hmm. big '60s hair, and it also takes a lot less time to 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 tease a Merkin, yeah. a, a wig. It's, I mean, to, to Wait, do '60s so hair is confused. so because teasing your own hair '60s style right. is so bad for it. And I have super super curly like Italian Afro style hair, so that mm-hmm. means straightening it and then teasing it, and then it'll just fall out, and then it'll be terrible. Yeah. Right. So I always wear. American, like we, on we, camera. To clarify for Chris Rice and for the audience, about wigs, we're, right? we're talking about wigs. We're talking about wigs. Our nickname for wigs. About actual American. Oh, okay. Guys, so no one's even listening anymore, no. so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody okay. knows what American is anyway. No, it's right. didn't. Apparently, they all do because they all posted photographs of them on Facebook. So when yes. I opened it up the page to begin the show, because that's how we communicate with everyone. Hi, Buffy. Hi, Samiko. Hi, Regis. Hi, Justin. Um, they had all posted <laughs> photographs of real Merkins, oh, not the no not the Chad Laura version. No, these are just wigs. But when yeah. she um, texted me from the trailer on the, on the pilot, like, okay, we're ready for you to come see my Merkin. Um, <laughs> so that, that was, you know. Anyway, so then Merkin became a thing. But yeah. the bet for me, the, the story that solidified our friendship was when I actually did I think it was the night or the night after I actually got the part. Chad took me to this like really fancy <laughs> dinner, and we didn't really know each other yet. I hadn't like fully shown him what a weirdo I was. I proceed to get like hammered, <laughs> hammered, and then have the worst hiccups in the history of the world, where I'm trying to like seem really studious and smart and. And I'm, sexy, like and the sexy, role. like the role, and I'm like, no, 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 tell me more, <laughs> like that bad, and it's like every fourth word where I'm like, I really believe that the role, <laughs> to the point where people are turning around and like yeah. staring at us. It was and like the I Love Lucy episode. And here's the thing: is now he would mercilessly mock me if yeah. that was happening, but at the time he was just pre- was like nodding. I completely pretended it wasn't happening. That's, that's fantastic. Perfect. That's, that's really fantastic. perfect. So this beautiful, and then I remember you texted me, woman. Yeah. and then I texted him. I was like, like apologizing I'm for so hiccuping. Sorry. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. I just wanted to thank you so much for committing yeah. me. <laughs> so terrible. Exactly. This is amazing. Like a seizure. Yeah. I love that none of you queens ate those cookies. Okay, Eric makes those cookies at home. We always talk about them on the show, and they're for you to eat and promote for one. the next five years. So they're, delicious. they're You're like supposed to eat them and then tweet about them five so times a day. Good. And there are gift boxes of them for you out what? front. Absolutely. Waiting for you to take home. I have We've to often, be on TV. 
We have a friend who says the, the show may be a bomb, anymore. but the cookies may be a big hit. You can hit. eat cookies until so the voice delicious. comes back on, and then That's you'll right. have to lay off. And then I'm going to have to get liposuction. <laughs> I'll eat one. Eat one. I'm eating one. <laughs> Christopher Thank Rice is eating yes. cookies. There's supposed well, to be plates in here, Billy. We're so glad you made it. We're going to take a brief break to hear a so word you can from one of our go to the sponsors so you can go to the bathroom and have a beverage. We'll be back with Chad Hodge, Laura Benanti, and that Eric guy. What's your name again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is your old religion boring you? The same old supreme being week after week. Are you tired of being asked to take responsibility for your own actions? Fed up with doing the right thing and being told what the right thing is? What do they mean, thou shalt not? Looking for something to believe in that addresses your modern self-obsession and affirms your own belief in how special you are, even though you've never done a single remarkable thing in your entire miserable life? Right? How can 5,000-year-old ideas possibly meet my needs? Are you ready for a revolutionary new faith technology? Technology? That's right. They're not just stupid, fear-based ideas anymore. We call them technologies. So they don't sound so old-fashioned and self-serving. That sounds cool. It does, doesn't it? Even though we're just misusing a word. Cutting edge. Another good example. Now, are you ready to find out what you don't know you don't know? Can you tell me? How will you know? I don't know. See, we've already started. That's amazing. Tell me more. What if we told you that Spaceman gave us the secret key to unlimited power to get whatever you want? And we'll give you that key if you give us enough money. I'd ask if you take Visa. Oh, we'll take your Visa and so much more. You will? Yes. And in return, we'll tell you whatever bullshit you want to hear because isn't that really what you want to believe in? A faith technology that affirms what you already believe? Amen. You can even say that if you want to. We don't care just so long as you keep giving us your money. Hallelujah! The Church of Ladder Science Technology. Because what's true is what's true for you. Why not, right? Operators are standing by. Have your credit card and bank information ready. We're live again at the and dinner Benji party did. show, God. which means we've just turned the mics back on because we never really stopped talking. Let's look, can I tell my Oprah story the again? The guests <laughs> have discovered the cookies. They have. So we'll be and talking much cake. faster in this segment. Absolutely. We, <laughs> Laura Benanti and Chad Hodge are at the table. That Eric guy is still here. I do there's again? no getting rid of me. Yeah, you do funny voices. So we have lots to talk no, about. I actually just um, do this voice over and over again, sometimes hello? with a southern accent. Accent. I don't know. There are a lot of Southern accents. There apparently you guys work together. No, not apparently. You did work together on the Playboy Club. <laughs> Obviously. And you played a special game of some sort. What was it? Tell me about oh, this. Yeah. Yeah. We would play a game called What Would Amber Do? What would Amber do? Yeah. Uh, you know, like what would Jesus do? Oh. Okay. But it was What Would Amber Do? 
which was Amber Heard. Because they knew Amber, and G- Jesus is yeah. really much harder to get in he's, touch he's with. Amber Heard. Actually, Amber is harder to get in touch with than Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's be honest. Wow. She's a very busy lady. That Amber. She is. We, it, we, basically, she's the most gorgeous person in, in the, the world. In the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and very, you know, a, 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 a model and an actress and just knows very exactly smart. how to do everything, and people sort of worship her and everything. Like, this is a perfect example of Amber. We go out to dinner with her <laughs> and she's in like some crazy vintage outfit that she like put together in 20 minutes that she bought in some like bizarre in Marrakesh. Yeah. And Chad and I spent an hour and a half putting together our like J Crew outfit. Yeah. We were feeling okay and this yeah. woman comes up to her, literally stands right in front of Chad and I and is like, I've been admiring your look all evening. Can I take a picture of you? Yeah. Yeah. And Chad and I were just like, we will yeah. never fucking win. We will never we fucking will win. We will never win. We will always be the nerds who listen to cats. It was most, I mean, the thing I remember most with, with what would Amber do with yeah. it was, was Laura and I were invited together to, we, you know, we shot the show in Chicago and we right. were invited to go together to this um, magazine <laughs> yes. party or something, you know, mm-hmm. like a red carpety thing. Uh-huh. And it was like, you know, the red car- the party starts at eight and the red Carpets uh, at seven, right. and you know, we, we want you guys to show up there together and to, yeah. we're gonna take pictures. Do stuff, and say so something. Laura and I are, you know, what are you gonna wear? I don't know, what are you gonna wear? And it's like that whole J. Crew thing, and what then, and then it's do? like, well, okay, what, t- it, what time should we get there? And Laura's like, well, I mean, the red carpet starts at seven, I feel like we should get there at like 6 55. <laughs> And I'm like, nope. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Or like seven, we could get there at seven, mm-hmm. you know, because then we have an hour to. And then we were like, wait, what would Amber do? <laughs> and this is what Amber would do: she would arrive, at if s- at all, yeah, <laughs> an hour and a half late, yeah, with like a, a beautiful woman and a beautiful man on her arm, yeah. And then they and would, who would and they everyone, be? and who everyone would, they would, be? would wait. They would just be her they people. Would, they would be like an artist and like a fire eater. <laughs> Right. That she just met. Exactly. That she just met in, uh, in an elevator. In circus class. And they're married now. And everyone would wait for her to get there mm-hmm. and take those pictures, and the mm-hmm. party would not start until. Yeah. Anyway, but she's just. She is first a, of she all, knows about this. She has she, a sense of humor. No, she about knows this. about what would Amber do. We talked well, to her about it. The little. thing that I'm admiring about this whole thing is that a lot of people would realize this about somebody they were working with in entertainment and then try to destroy them. Oh, no, we yeah, love no. her. Yeah. No, 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 no. We realize that we're just like the theater dorks. No, we're. we're <laughs> for, she's like the cheerleader, the pretty cheerleader who also yeah. like happens to be very, very smart. Mm. So she's like the pretty cheerleader, and we're like the weird nerds who are like. We'll never get it right. Right. We'll never get it right. Yeah. And they're yeah. also not revealing their plans for revenge on the That's air. That's true. That's true. There's yeah, we're plot. not idiots, you they're guys. We're There's just an nerds. end game. <laughs> There's an end game. Well, it's time for another installment of our special series, Audiobook Bestsellers, and then we'll be back for the long haul with Laura Benanti and Chad Hodge here Yay. at the Dinner Party Show. And now it's vroom, time vroom. for something about a special book called The Curious Dish. Keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to celebrating literacy and the written word, we bring you an exclusive excerpt from one of this week's best-selling audiobook titles, The Curious Dish, from Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and essayist Simon Pufffeathers. Genius is a dish best served warm and with a side of bratwurst. 
This age-old saying is often repeated by those writers privileged enough to make frequent appearances on the History Channel. I spent the latter part of 2005 trying to find the exact origin of this phrase, but after an exhausting search which provided me with the fodder for nine different New Yorker essays, I came up empty-handed and decided ultimately to attribute the phrase to myself. It is of note here because it touches lightly on the fascinating subject I plan to address within these pages, while also drawing attention to my considerable accomplishments. If you are one of the many millions familiar with my previous published works, you know that I am well regarded for engaging in lively explorations of often overlooked topics. But the work to which this already long-winded essay serves as introduction is my most ambitious to date. I spent seven years circling the globe as I attempted to uncover and illuminate the origins of a small, ordinary household item that is so often taken for granted. My travels ran me afoul of a small group of hostile native people in Swaziland and several flight crews on British Airways who were remarkably stingy with the champagne. All this time and sacrifice was necessary as I pursued the long-buried origins and shroud of secrecy that's been spun around a most curious little dish, the ramekin. So join me now as I dedicate 600 pages of contract-fulfilling non-fiction prose to a small ceramic container about the circumference of the circle you'd make if you touch the tip of your index finger to the pad of your thumb. In the beginning, I was almost derailed by all the sumptuous little assortments of mixed nuts and warm sauces the people of this great world typically serve in a ramekin. I often had to remind myself that for me, Simon Puff Feathers, the dish was not a container but a destination, and my deadline with my publisher had been delayed several times. It was with great exultation and effort that I devoted my energies to finding the faces behind the ramekin itself. Those people whose lives had been altered by its evolution and those who had dedicated years to its preservation. We begin in Bristol, England, with six chapters devoted to my prolonged conversations with an elderly woman who fancies herself the director of the Center for Ramekin Studies. Join me as I catalog the quotidian details of her unremarkable life and the many, many meals we had together before she asked me to leave. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening <laughs> if you've got the stomach for it. <laughs> Welcome back to the dinner party show where we have a dinner party show first. A guest laughed at one of our humorous show IDs. Wow. Usually they listen to them and they're like, mm. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. like We're that. fairly clever. You are. 
We're clever boys. Uh, technical note, we had a brief outage for several seconds. This would be the point where I would give instructions on how to deal with that outage. But if you're still out, you can't hear us. So there's no point in giving those yeah. instructions. But everybody says we're back online and it was just a 20 did second you post? thing. I did. I posted several times that when the sound goes out, you should close the player and refresh your entire page. That is the entire Dinner Party Show website. And then reopen the player. Missed it down with Febreze. <laughs> I would just right? unplug it, plug it back in. Yeah, exactly. Blow on it. Shake it. Hit it on the back with a bedroom slipper. Or as they Should used to fine. say in Texas, you got to hold your tongue right while you do it. Right? Stick <laughs> your tongue inside her mouth. Hold your tongue right. Jiggle the handle. All right. So we have two lovely, wonderful guests, Laura Nancy and Chad Hodge and Eric Shaw Quinn is still here. Still here. Still my co-host for the dinner party show. That's right. We have so much to talk about, but the long delayed topic is the other project that you are working on, Chad, mm. which I, is based on a novel that I am completely obsessed so with. So Laura and I are going to cake, and the yeah. two of you talk about that. Exactly. The novel is called Pines by Blake Crouch, who is one of my favorite novelists. Yes. Um, one of the people show, who scares Christopher the most. Uh, literally, Eric and I were coming back from Italy. We are, we're, Again, Eric and I are not a couple. If you're a tall British crime si- solver, uh, give Eric your phone number on Facebook. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we're just very good friends, and we went to Italy together, and on the flight back, I began to read a book called Run, by Blake Crouch. Yes. Which was literally, I didn't put the Kindle down for like five hours. We he were tried to jump off the, the plane. It was, it was absolutely terrifying. This is a novel that he published um, later, I believe, that same year called Pines. Mm-hmm. And yes. you are developing it into a TV series which will be called Wayward Pines. Called, yes. 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 And excellent. I'll let you talk about it soon. But I want to say... <laughs> first, he wants to okay. talk a lot. It's a concept <laughs> with a twist in the middle of it that is so yeah. good, you can't give it away. So it's very hard to... I imagine it's very hard to pitch to people. Which is why I didn't do that. Ah, which genius. is Which is why I wrote it as a spec. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is the so twist smart. in the spec? The twist is not. Oh. Yeah, the twist is not in the spec. Um, but that's... I, I read... When I read, read Pines last summer, a producer brought it to me about two months, I think, before it was published. And I read it in the same way you read Run, like in five hours. I was obsessed. This was amazing. I just could not stop turning the pages. Excellent. Um, and and then I thought, there's no way I can pitch this. There's no way anyone's going to get this. This is so crazy. It has this crazy cliffhanger. It's It, it has a heavy mythology, but not a confusing one. Mm-hmm. But it was, it, it, it was just one of those shows where I thought, I can either go around town for the next month and pitch this and and have confused faces staring back at me <laughs> always a with a lot of questions yeah. mm-hmm. or i can just spend like 3 weeks and write write the script write the pilot right. script and i want cuz i want these you know executives and networks and whatever right. to have the same reaction to my script that i had to the book mm-hmm. right. which they would not have to a pitch right so i wrote this spec which does not reveal what the twist is of of, of what wayward pines is in, wow. in and, and and you know we we had a lot of interest um in the, in the show but did you have and, to in any conversation associated with the script give away the twist Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. you did. So, so we had several networks interested, and then w- what would happen is, is the ones who were interested, then I would go in and either, you know meet with them or have a conference call with them, and and tell them okay, because they would say we love this, we're obsessed with this pilot. Then what happens? You know, because of course they have to know right. if they're gonna. So um, then I would go in and and, <laughs> and then nice talk to them didn't. about it. But they are they're already hooked and they're already passionate about it in the same way that I was Absolutely. when I read the book. So that's Brilliant. how so that's how we sold it. And, and M Night Shyamalan is directing it and um, and. No, baby. You guys. Wow! Yeah, so uh, this is like his first. Is has he done TV before? He has not. Wow! 
And so he re- did he get interested because of the script, or how yes. did he get attached? Yeah. So when I wow, finished the must script, be some script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, you know, I owe a Can't lot to, to Blake Crouch's book, Duh. of course. I mean, you know, um, but but I uh, I gave the book to my agent, and he didn't read it for uh, the script to my agent. He didn't read it for like a week. Really? He's like, you've what got like two, he, yeah. he's like, yeah. you've got like two other things, you know, whatever, whatever. I was like, no, no, you really need to read this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll read it, I'll read it. Okay, you really need to read this. And then, like three days later, at like two in the morning, I got a, a text message from him that was that said, "Holy fuck, <laughs> what happens next?" Yeah, and I was like, "That's what you want." That's to why say. I think we're gonna sell this. That's what the book is like, and it, 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 he yeah. maintains that from book to book. He wrote he another book with his brother called Eerie. Yes, that, that is a similar. And the the genius of what Blake can do is that if you pitch the twist, it would you would think it was utterly ludicrous, but he makes you believe absolutely every second, and he completely commits to it. Yeah. In a lot of the, the genre that he works in, the sort of paranormal supernatural thriller, there's a lot of wink, 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 it was all a dream, yada, yada, you know, and, yeah. and I hate that crap. You yeah. would really hate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was pointing at me. I was pointing Although at Although Laura might hate it too, he was pointing <laughs> at me. I don't hate anything. <laughs> I love all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, but it's, it's very exciting. We're kind of, this is a sort of TV writerly question. Yeah. We're living in the area where you kind of just have to write it yourself, aren't we? Like that's um, yeah. I mean, I think that's for me. That's a great way of going about it because you can just write the script you want to write, and then they can either buy it or not buy right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, luckily, I'm in a position where I can afford to to do that. And you know, not everybody is, but um, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's where it's right. going. Um, and these shorter series, like this, is going to be a 12 episode event series, cool. like like a cable Love show, those. but on on network and. Yeah, I, I, I think so that's a lot when of... Is, where, where are you in the process? Where is it going to be? So When's I'm writing, it going to be? What's going to happen? I'm writing a Bible right now uh-huh. of what the next 11 episodes are uh, for Fox. And, you know, you know, with, with... I'm not writing it with Knight, but we're working on it together. Knight, that's what you have that's to call him, by the way. Not M. Not M, not Shyamalan, Knight. I don't know what M not stands for. Not Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I call him Shammy Lammy. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. told me to, so I just do. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so more importantly, what part is Laura going to play? I mean, <laughs> that's a great question because the scary thing is since we've worked together, I think I've basically written a role for Laura into everything that I have, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing just in case she's available, which she will never be yeah. because she is so insanely talented. She's so and, you know, she yeah. is so insanely talented. I mean, isn't it true that since you were 18, you haven't ever, there hasn't ever been a day you haven't worked? Wow. Fantastic. 18 years old, nominated for a Tony Award. No, I was 20. Oh. You had to wait until you were 20. I was 20. Brutal. Brutal. But my my dream in life is all I want to do is work with Chad for the rest of my life. If we could just work together forever. Oh, that's so sweet. And I, I feel the exact same way. I just keep writing, like, like you know, like, like, a, like a crazy like person. Actor manager, like she's my muse. writing company. Yeah. The Laura yeah. Show. Yeah, exactly. I feel like in some ways, Chad and I fell in love with each other because we're just supreme narcissists and we're the exact same <laughs> person. So it was like looking into a mirror and right. we we're like, oh, I love you. I love you too. Because yeah. you, you're me. <laughs> <laughs> what would we do? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Absolutely. But we do have a child. Yes. Yeah. Let's what talk it, about what? our child. Yeah. What? We have a fake son on Twitter, Andrew Green. Who's yeah. this, like, I saw this genius. earlier today. Yeah. yeah, he's in high school. Well, what we say is uh, the part, one of the storylines in Playboy Club you mentioned was about the Mattachine Society. Right. And people were in lavender marriages, which is yeah. 
you know, when when a when a gay man and a lesbian woman are married to each other for cover, you know, right. the, the cover story. So we have six. a lavender marriage. So I mean, we I'm not a are in a, but... you know, we joke that we're in a lavender marriage, but we have this lavender son who's. I think 16 or 17 he years old. He just got into his co- the college oh, of yes, his choice, his first did. choice. So exciting for him. Yeah. He's what a college genius. did he pick? <laughs> such a dick, I can't remember. We forgot. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were guys who were going to be like, we cannot talk about our son on the we, radio. Andrew, Andrew what, what college? This is your mother. Also, did you get your homework done? Because you're not supposed to be listening to this unless you're done with your homework. The, I saw that on Twitter today. You guys were tweeting at each other. Yeah, like, yeah. these are fake this? sons. This, that he, is a young TV writer. He's a Broadway savant. Yeah, ah. He's a Broadway savant, and he, we got to know him because back when Playboy Club was running, he Jeez. started making T-shirts with Laura's face on them. And then it's it HB, said Carolyn, which was her character's name, Carolyn, head bitch in charge since 1962. <laughs> nice. And he was nice. like selling these T-shirts online, and we were like, whoever this guy is is a genius. And then we found out he was 16, <laughs> and we were like immediately and just you adopted. And we, we were like, we that's our son. At once. We took him under our wing, and yeah. yeah, we've never met him in person, but we've. We, we tweet with him and we... I've met him, but you have, before you I knew it was him. I yeah. met him like after shows, like we have a photo together, but I didn't know that that was my son at the time. Right, right, right. Um, but you recorded his outgoing voice yeah, dancing machine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, he's amazing. You should follow him on Twitter because he's so, so dry and funny. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. brilliant. We love him. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. We love you, Andrew. Excellent. So we actually have a question for you on our Facebook page, Laura. Yes. We have a Law & Order SVU <gasps> fan who wants to ask yes. about your appearance on that show. Okay. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah. I love being on that show. Yeah. It's really fun. Tell us about the character you played. Maria Grazia? Yeah, yeah. I play the wife of Danny Pino, who is like the handsome macho cop on that show. Right. And I was a soldier... So that's hilarious. Did you like get a crew cut and stuff? You got yeah, a crew no, cut. No, actually, market? my first appearance, I'm in like a white wife beater and like my my sexy fatigue, soldier. My, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like I walked onto the set and the crew started laughing. Were you wearing like, a merkin? I was not wearing a merkin. A crew cut merkin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the crew was like, "Oh, if, if you are defending our country, we are all screwed." Like, this is <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. It's always good to have a supportive crew. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I was like a forensic whatever. Head bitch okay. in charge. In Afghanistan. <laughs> head, head bitch in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I play his wife, and we're ha- we're going through marital troubles. And now that I'm going, I'm on go on. Our marital trouble troubles are, are real bad. Yeah. So I'm in Maryland right now. But uh, but hopefully I'll be back. Apparently. Very yeah. cool. Very brutal. Cool. Very That's cool. brutal. And you all have a song apparently a fake. Song, a, what? A fake son. A fake son. We already talked about it. Talking about a fake no son. more hashish for you. Charlene has had some of the special cookies. <laughs> Too much yeah. hashish for me. No, I Absolutely. need more tea. I need more tea, Billy. We're well, out of tea I, I have here. a question I want to ask because Facebook is sort of crapping out on us. Um, the uh, connection between TV and theater. You yeah. came up in theater, obviously. Yes. That was how you got your start. Is I there did. more of a sort of crossover now than there's ever been? Like, would we have Glee on the air if Ryan Murphy hadn't gone to see Spring Awakening? <laughs> like almost the entire. <laughs> Right. cast the first season were, were a lot of them were from Spring Awakening and there seems to be more of an impact now on what gets on TV well I feel like it's come full circle I feel like in the 50s and 60s television and theater and mo- and film bled into each other you right. know it, it mm-hmm. was not seen as detrimental to be an actor and then something happened I feel like in the 80s and 90s and early 
2000s where all of a sudden if you were like a theater actor or particularly a musical theater actor you were cheesy like I feel like right. that was the beginning of irony where nobody right. wanted anything that was sincere yeah everybody uh, was a stand up comedian for about yeah. 15 years and, there right. I was like they're fine but like there are other actors out there yeah, and I feel like it still happens to a degree where we're all busy being so ironic and caustic that there isn't a lot of room for right. sincerity which I think a lot of musicals have um but now, and I do think Glee was a big part of it, but I think that we're just going back to the way that it used to be. And mm-hmm. I'm glad. That little yeah. break that we took where like you weren't allowed to do anything other than theater, where you were placed into these tiny little boxes, I feel like all that is breaking apart, and I'm well, glad. I'm well, I, maybe it has something to do with what you talk about all the time, Eric, because there was also that sort of the J- the James Dean or the Marlon Brando acting, camera yes, acting totally. style took over where you had to be this and this. And then suddenly everyone was British because they had elocution and diction. Yeah. And they could, you know... Right. Maybe there's some of that in smart. theater as well. Yeah. There was a yeah. period yeah. when every leading man on television was British. Well, like that's still because happening. they right. were yeah. still because right. they it's actually learned to act. They didn't learn to mumble and scratch themselves. Yeah. They actually learned to learn the lines and make them believable yeah. and audible, yeah. which is important. And they seem like men. I feel like there's this weird like perpetual boy thing that happens mm. sometimes in American men where you're just like, "Aren't you 35? Why are you riding a skateboard?" <laughs> Right. In your sweats. So, and I feel like English men sort of seem like men. Yeah. yeah. I certainly feel that way. Well, and I feel that there's something great about working with Broadway actors mm-hmm. in television mm-hmm. because, first of all, I like came up in theater. I went to yes. theater camp with Laura's husband, actually. Theater we, camp? We what theater camp, John? Cherubs. I was a cherub. What? Yes. What does I was that mean? I, the Northwestern University Summer Theater Camp, which yes. would happen, wait for it, in the summer. Uh, it was no. a big sort of future yeah. gay fest. Future gays. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, what do you, let's talk about what years we were in it. I was there in 1993 or 4. 1994. Summer of 94. I was 1995. Okay. So we're just there a few you years apart. Oh yeah. But it's amazing. Is that a picture of Chad? <laughs> picture we're seeing Chad. a picture of Chad Hodge, which oh we will post god, oh my god. on so, yes. our Facebook Back page. I'll send it to you. You can send it to whatever. That's a picture of me see. when I was five years old. I was one of oh, the kids no, in The I King thought... and I. Oh my god, that's Is that beautiful. that one? I'm sending it right now. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we were in Cherubs together, and, uh, and I was best friends with a guy named Steve Pasquale, who is now Laura's husband, but... I didn't know that would happen when we were 16. Um, and, uh, and you probably thought other things were going to happen. Exactly. I was so hoping. Yeah, I was so sure. hoping. Well, you know, so, you, know you get you to be do? close this way. What are you going to do? Um, but uh, anyway, what I was my, my original point was that working with Broadway actors in television is so great because they're really hard workers and they yeah. know like what it means to come to work and do your work and you know, be on time and hit right. your mark and, and hit your hit mark and all that stuff. And it, there's and no to the director. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of diva behavior with with these people, and it's so yeah. much fun. And well, there might you know, be, but it's not going to happen on the set. No, it might happen later yeah. at the restaurant, yeah. but on the set, yeah. buddy. That's right. That's yeah. right. You can't throw a fit on stage no, during a right. show. So. Nobody has time I mean, for that. Yeah, you can, but it's not a, <laughs> it's not a but good not, idea. Well, I have, but I don't want to talk about it. No, I, you know, I feel like with. I feel like with theater, there's a certain discipline and mm-hmm. a, and talent that that has to go into it. You have to have a certain set Absolutely. of skills in order to be on stage. And and I don't mean this in a, in a derogatory way. Although now I'm going to say something horrible. Like when my mom says, "Bless her heart," and then says right. something horrible. With all due respect, I'm about to do that. But I feel like there's a certain amount of like my mom told me I was pretty, so I got on a bus and I came to yes. Los Angeles. Yes. Where 
it's a different situation where you're yeah. just like so beautiful. And sometimes and, and that really is all it takes here. I know. Yeah. Really. But sometimes those people are really, really, really real and talented too. And sometimes they have this they're natural just, yeah. gift, you know? I don't know if this is an Eric saying that I'm stealing, but somebody once, I think somebody once said it to me right after I got here that LA is the city where the most beautiful person from every town yes. came here and discovered that the most beautiful person from every other town came here too. Right. Yeah. And some of them are really pissed. Oh, well, shit. That's great. <laughs> And they yeah. work at my gym, yeah. and or at the rest, <laughs> or they will be serving me uh, 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 fish and chips later. Right, and then you hear those yeah. great stories of people who came out here with big dreams and got sort of redirected onto yeah. another path that they never expected right. and have this Absolutely. wonderful life, and they get to enjoy this weather without worrying about being yeah, cast. Yeah, they in find something. other things, and, and as a result, it is really a beautiful place to live. It's it really all is. of those genes just oh, you know yeah. spread out and are everywhere. It's really. The true. scenery it's here true. is just gorgeous, and I'm not talking about the architecture, God. No. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone says it's so hard to make it in Hollywood, you know, mm-hmm. because all these people are coming on buses and all that stuff. It's so hard to make it in Hollywood. Buses. So hard to make it in Hollywood. Buses. <laughs> Turnip trucks. Southwest. Yeah. Um, Some of them hitchhike. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think that it is if you are a really, really hard worker and you are t- and you have the talent. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's uh, because I think talent gets discovered, and you also have to have the ability to harness your talent with your work ethic mm. and if those two things can combine I don't think it's that hard to make it and then of course you know luck people too. go on luck to do other helps. things there's yeah. luck helps luck helps yeah. but it's like you know there's a lot of people who come here and it, there's there's a it seems like it's harder to make it than I think it is mm. you know interesting I so. don't know Interesting. Well, it's you never know. <laughs> it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. I think I you know. never know when the miracle is going to happen. Agree. That's right. the thing is, I, I've heard it said too. It goes to the people who stick around. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Because yeah. people just, come, they have their, I mean, the their three-year plan. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. mean. It's yeah. so easy to come here and just be successful. I right. mean, no. if you work yeah. your fucking ass off. Right, yeah. right, yeah. You know, but also, you, you like, know. for me, like, I'm a 33-year-old woman, which in L.A. years means I'm 95. Right. But at, but at this point, <laughs> women are just... They're just leaving to have families and babies, so right. I'm just waiting them out. Right, yeah. I figure just all wait. of them will be gone. Yeah, yeah. When and those then, when those old dames walk out on the Academy Awards right. and everybody stands right. up for five mm-hmm. minutes, it's because they're still, they're still there. Here. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. that is still no small here. achievement. Absolutely, that is no and small And on thing. that note, we have to thank you guys for staying with us oh this long. God. Yeah, is we're gonna have to. You have it's to over, back. but we're gonna ask you to stay so we can get a picture with you both yeah. before you leave. We're gonna have to wrap up the show here at the dinner table, but we want to thank you. Laura Benanti and Chad Hodge for joining us this evening for so a lovely conversation. <laughs> and now we're going to have a brief word from one of our new sponsors, Happy Cream Donuts. Ooh, happy oh, cream. dear. Hey, honey, how about for dessert we spin by that old donut place on the way home? Not if you want something else later, mister. Those donuts give you the breath of a dog. Ah, criminy. Tired of desserts that put a damper on your love life? Tired of delicious, creamy filling that makes your breath smell like sour milk? Heck! Well, the folks at Happy Cream Donuts have a solution for you. Our research and development team has spent years formulating a lip-smacking treat that will actually enhance the smell and taste of your bodily fluids for a full 48 hours after consumption. Oh, my, my, my. That's right. All your bodily fluids. I need some more of this. Happy Cream Donuts. Take a spin through our drive-thru and you're sure to end up in bed. We're the only donut chain in America that doesn't force you to pick between having your cake and getting it eaten later that night. 
Now with the location every two square miles between Miami and El Paso, Happy Cream Donuts is headed your way. When our hot light is on, you're about to get turned on. Have some more of those chocolate cream filled, tiger. Whatever you say, dear. Wow. What a great what a show. What a great show. I don't want to go home yet. I know. We could have gone for another hour, guys. But I think. At least another 20 seconds to make up for the outage that we experienced in the middle of the show. Fair, Sorry fair. about that, everyone. Right? We so, owe you 20 seconds. Absolutely. Uh, we owe you 20 seconds. So next week, legendary author Patricia Nell Warren, who wrote The Front Runner, will be here. And who inspired me to be a writer. And possibly gay. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was the, it was the, it was the books that turned it me gay. It was the evil gay books. It was the that evil gay you. books. Uh-huh. Uh, Patricia was supposed to be on the show a few weeks ago, but she became ill, and so she's now fully recovered. And, and we had be... nothing to do with it. She wasn't ill because she was supposed to be on the show. No, you made it sound like not. maybe we had caused Patricia to be sick. No, no spell casting here at the dinner party show. We'll also be joined by my good friend David Barinholtz from the American Tea Room. Yum. He's going to be here to talk about gourmet tea and how to integrate tea into your dinner party. We thought. It might be time to actually do something dinner party-ish with a guest. And we figure there might be free samples of tea. Yeah, we might get some free samples out of it. Which is what I'm really hoping for. So, uh, you know, it's also interesting. Something else that kind of came to my attention is, like, Jordan Ampersand feels sort of weird about the way things are going when he comes on. And so he said something about he's going to try to hook us up for the Oscars. Really? Yeah. Jordan? Well, he knows a lot of people. Well, biblically. Oh, well, okay. But I think he's kind of connected or he's— It's L.A. You know, what works is what works. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna keep some tabs on it. I think, personally, it's going to be access to some kind of Oscar party. Like, wow, wouldn't that be hot? Does he know Elton John? I don't know. That would be really. I've never been. I have All of these years I've lived in L.A., I've never been to the Oscars or been invited. I'm a little annoyed about it. I know. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll, we'll keep everybody posted. You know, Jordan can be a bit unreliable. I don't, I don't know, but, you know. A bit, yes. Unreliable. That's really a kind He's also of, got a really good heart is what I'm trying to say. And he keeps it in a box, in a safe deposit box on the East Coast. All right. All right. That's enough. And he cut it out of somebody else's chest. Enough. That's enough. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to us. I can't list all your names. Our group is growing. Thank you, Ashley Boroff. That's a name that I've seen for the first time. Sumiko Salson is back. Michael Minch, Buffy Peterson, Justin Simpson, Henry Valdez. The list goes on and on and on. We love hearing from you, and we hope you love hearing from us. I'm Christopher Rice. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And this has been The Dinner Party Show. Thank you.
I've been to a marvelous party. 